Welcome to the Business Design Podcast. I'm Dr. Kent. And I'm Randy Baker. And on the Business Design Podcast today, we're going to... Oh, the Big Apple. Yeah, the Big Apple, uh, but by way of all kinds of different places. We, we really are lucky, you know, with the interviews we have. Uh, and I guess in today's day and age, Giannis, who we're talking to today, is incredibly international, you know speaks how many languages six, languages? six five languages? languages six seven yeah. languages and he apologized for his english was that <laughs> that's perfect was that anyway wonderful interview we went deep and wide actually which is very uncommon for us um particularly there's a you could almost excerpt it and turn it into a chapter of a book um the way Giannis speaks at the very end of this interview listen up um we're going to be talking about a commodity that everybody listening to this has used, and maybe there's a different way to use it, is Giannis. Giannis Moati. So nice to talk with you, Giannis. Um, Same here. Tell us about the, the lush background you have there. It's really nice to, uh, so for our, our listeners, they can't see you, but uh, behind him are these lovely plants. Oh, okay. I thought the lush background was my background, my personal background. Oh, uh, that yes. one too, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, the corner of my apartment, which uh, it's uh, it's presentable, and it's in our living room, and uh, my wife and I love plants, so we've got plants all over, and we try to grow them ourselves. So, essentially, avocado pits, whenever I feel like this one might, you know, whenever there's one that I feel we could try to... Um, plant and grow into a tree, we uh, try it out and often enough it works out. So we've got um, small little trees of avocados, lemon and orange trees. Wow. Besides the other ones that we actually buy left and right. But yeah, so we try to create like a small little greenhouse here. And that's pretty impressive. So what, what does it mean for you to kind of live around plants? Because there aren't many folks who really do. I mean, people will buy a house plant or something, but it seems like it's more integrated for you. It's part of, um, at the risk of sounding very dull and uh, stating obviousness, um, well, it's, it's part of the ecosystem. And I hate just to put in the trash something that I know has a chance of giving life into. So not that I collect every avocado pit because we eat way too many of them. But whenever I see it like, nice round you know maybe a little bit burgeoning at times when i i'm sure you've all noticed how you cut an avocado in half and you see it it's already starting to do something so that's the one that i try to give it a chance and uh often enough it works that's awesome mm-hmm. and so what's your origin story if we go all the way back so Giannis is a really cool name moati is a cool name Thank you. Where did you sort of, where did you get planted? Where did your avocado pit start growing? <laughs> in Tunisia, in North Africa, on a very diverse cultural background. Uh, French father, Italian mother, huh. met in North Africa and uh, was born there and uh, lived 13 years of my life there before. So you, I, speak, I, you speak Italian, uh, like Tunisian, yeah. Arabic. Yeah. It, you got French, it, yeah. English, yeah. yeah. Anything and else? Spanish, yes. And Spanish. Okay, wow. All right. Yeah, yeah. And so you have to excuse my English at times. It's uh, it could be a little bit bumpy. So that's uh, 
It's because of it came about fourth or fifth. <laughs> At this point, it feels ten. Bahki, bahki, shwaya Arabi. Hey, shwaya, shwaya, bas. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, is that more Lebanese or yeah, Egyptian? Pretty, you have a good no more Lebanese. Yeah. I, okay. I uh, spent time in in um, uh, Palestine, Jordan, that area. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. But Amazing. I love I love uh, Tunisian music, uh, Moroccan music, and actually how it rye kind of how it came into Europe. And mm. so, how have you brought uh, Tunisian, French, Italian, and other cultures together in your work? I think a sense of giving it a little bit of a Mediterranean flair, in which you understand that time is much more expendable than what you are made to believe at times, um, or the cultural zeitgeist of thinking that everything needs to be done quickly, fast, we got no time, it needs to flip. And then, you know, I, I think I come with a background in which we are rooted in history and we're rooted in making sure that we take time to do things. That would be my best bet of how I brought in that background into the work that we do. So avocado pips, startups, lots of interesting lush background, personal background. Can you connect avocado pips with startups? Yes. It's all about, uh, you know, watching something grow. Uh, it's all about giving it love, care, attention. That's already three, uh, you know, th th three recipes or three formulas to, to winning recipe. But uh, being attentive, I think that's, that's uh, very important. So you've been attentive in the predominantly in the travel industries? Yes, absolutely. And I'm guessing you know something about the hotel or the economics of running a hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a haze for a lot of people, but yeah, I'll try. So I'm thinking like, you know, day beds, day rooms. What, what brought okay. that idea around and what's the economics surrounding that to answer your second question terrible economics <laughs> no but more seriously now let me just say that i was a travel agent and a tour operator before launching hotels by day and um, i often had an increasing amount of customers that wanted flexibility in their hotel stays after a long flight maybe they wanted to check in right away and didn't have to wait until 3 p.m. And so the more I was faced with those requests and I was calling hoteliers to find out if they can assign a room here and a room there, it was just very hard to get. It was uh, analog as a dynamic in which you had to call or you send an email. Most of the time it was just refused simply because it wasn't a question of inventory, it was a question of operations, it was a question of uh, assignment, room assignments. And the hotels were essentially refusing business, even, you know, to the same hotels that we send hundreds of bookings to, asking that we make an exception for VIP was not necessarily a given. And again, it wasn't due to inventory. It was just simply due to the fact that they just didn't set themselves up for it. And so I realized that at that time, in an environment in which we're increasingly a society and an economy of on-demand, increasingly sharing economy as well. Uh, the fact that so much real estate was sitting empty at a hotel just simply because they didn't have the proper protocol or the technology to be able to process a room 
with more flexibility. Uh, I thought that it was anachronistic. And so that really brought me into the idea of doing something uh, for the industry and for the public, being that it just showed all the signs of being a great match. And indeed it was, because we started with 12 hotels, and we now have a little bit over 2,000. And we've just signed. You know, this is uh, somewhat of a confidential matter, so I will not state the name, but we just signed with a major brand, one of the top five in the world, to be able to connect to our systems together so that after, finally, after five years of walking through the desert and explaining how the model works and essentially signing one hotel at a time. Now, the 2,000 hotels that we have here, going from 12 that we launched with to 2,000, have been essentially signed on a manual basis, almost one by one. I mean, we slowly grew from going from one by one to small management company that, independent companies that own and manage maybe three, four, five properties, then moving on to 50 properties and moving on to about 150 to 200 properties. But now we are finally, we've broken the ceiling in, in multiple facets, by the way, one being accepted for the model that we are promoting, because um, the first reactions were very knee jerk in, in saying, no, we don't need it. No, we don't think it works you're probably a romantic play, nothing else. And then we, uh, you know, the, the, the further we grew, the further, with the further we demonstrated that we're not just a matter of having a room to escape for a few hours with yours truly, <laughs> which of, of course it's a hotel room, so that happens, let me not hide it. But it's also the fact of long layovers, refresh after red, red eye, being able to work in privacy, which by the way, the pandemic has accelerated our model, where we've seen that we've had almost a 200% increase in our work section of use of rooms for the day. Because as you can imagine, when you're stuck at home due to the pandemic, and then you can find at home for many months, the idea of having a room that is affordable from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. that has all the protocols of work, so strong Wi-Fi, ergonomical chairs and desks, strong coffee, <laughs> a kombucha also, just like a co-working space. But in addition to that, it has a pool, a gym that you can escape to for 30 minutes or an hour, come back reinvigorated and, you know, and, and, and cram through the last emails of the day. So uh, all those amenities that are combined with the work protocol makes our services more and more in tune with tomorrow's usage of a hotel, not simply for a night stay for a guest that comes from out of state or out of country, but also for the hyper-local demand, the customers that are your neighbors that usually a hotel does not cater to, now they can do that. Wow. So when you were a little kid, and you have a, you have a great beard now, so when you mm. were a little kid with a beard <laughs> walking around the house, uh, I'm kidding. But it, I, yeah. I have a nice image in my head, kind of like, you know, in Charlie Brown, <laughs> where uh, little kids are just grown-ups made smaller. But you're yeah. walking around the house as a kid with these very cosmopolitan international parents. Mm -hmm. Were you already dreaming up uh, solutions for things? Where did all this get its genesis? Wow, Kent, this is uh, quite of a deep question. And thank you very much for asking it, because indeed, yes, I've always felt in my path I actually do recall 
so many times in which I was pushing my friends to invent and recreate the bicycle, recreate the labyrinth in uh, the wilderness of Tunisia in which we uh, lived in, you know, create different refuges, homes, docks next to the boat in which we had a boat at. So I do remember always pushing my friends to build things. It hasn't always been followed, but my mind was always trying to creatively construct things. Yes. And, and by the way, yes, I, I was born with a beard. It, was, it just wasn't white. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it's kind of funny, you know, uh, at times I, I, I reflect on my path and I realize that I'm a contrarian by nature and, and from the tender age that I always wanted to reinvent the wheel, yeah. So, um, Giannis, I'm looking at your left hand there. You're, you've got a, a wristband. I yeah. suspect that means something. Yeah. Uh, we, my wife and I came back from Mexico uh, we, where we stayed almost three months in a remote place, very remote beach in the Oaxaca state, so in the south of Mexico. And that spot, we discovered it. It, it was our second time we go there. We discovered it by complete chance, and it totally fits the style of living that we feel very comfortable with. And so it's bohemian, it's uh, free-spirited, it's uh, magical, and it's also a little bit dangerous because of the rip currents there are some of the most dangerous beaches in the world, but yet it feels like all of it together creates this potent mix that is just gives you that sense of living. And so I was giving this bracelet by a friend, and that reminds me of the spot that uh, I might go back to at some point. <laughs> nice, nice. Spinning back to hotels by day, mm -hmm. I totally get the appeal for the consumer side. I'm mm -hmm. not sure I get the appeal for the, the hotels mm -hmm. because do they not have additional costs of cleaning and yeah. preparing that room. So their cleaning costs have doubled for that room because they've got to clean it in the morning, clean it at night. And the the I presume you've got a technical solution where the, the bookings go through your platform? Yeah. Yeah. How do the hotels make this financially uh, work? Work, yeah. So very good question uh, in terms of how does the model work for mm -hmm. Uh, the hotelier. So that's a very good question, Randy. Thank you so much. Well, the easy answer is uh, not every hotel is sold out all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, on average, the best hotels pre-pandemic were running about 85% occupancy per year. Um, and that's in places like New York or, you know, the major urban centers, which, so considering that factor, uh, you've got many different um, stats you can work with. So one thing is not all hotels are sold out, so that means that they don't necessarily have to clean the room twice. They can actually use a room that was not sold the night before or not mm -hmm. necessarily will be sold the night coming in, right? But if in case that were to be the fact, if they were to sold out to have the room sold out the night before and the night coming in, they can simply turn off the inventory on our platform. And it has happened where a hotel maybe has received a booking about a week ago and is telling us with in advance that they might not be able to either honor the booking. It comes rarely, but if in case we're here to help the supplier and the partner, 
most of the cases anyway, the hotel would be able to walk, which is essentially invite a guest to go to another property that they have a relationship with. So all in all, uh, less than 1% of our bookings have any type of issues. And by the way, something I found out later, I was very uh, ashamed of that less than 1%, you know, it was 0.7% in which we had an issue or like, uh, you know, broken shells. At first I was ashamed and then I realized the more I spoke to hoteliers, the more I realized that it's kind of business as usual, whether it be a night stay or a day stay. You know, it, I think it happened to a lot of us, unfortunately, in which we came to a hotel that was oversold or an airline that was oversold. Uh, so it happens. And uh, we have a terrible uh, tech e ecosystem in the industry, in the hotel industry, uh, for the simple reason that every single hotel has been almost building its own technology, if not adopting its own formulas. And so sometimes it just, just does not jive with everything else. And so it's constructed by wires, <laughs> but I digress because that's a conversation I can spend a full hour on. So essentially, how does the model work? For one, the hotel's not sold out every time. For two, if they are, you need to consider that if they're smart, savvy, and aggressive, they still can run that room, I'll tell you why. Because 30% of their checkout, especially in places like New York City, which is, the bulk of our traffic is New York and LA, by the way, uh, then comes, uh, well, third now is Miami, it used to be fourth. Chicago, uh, San Francisco, Texas is making a huge boom. <laughs> so we're seeing those demographic shifts. What I meant to say is this, even when the hotel is 100% sold out, about 30% of their checkouts happen before 8.30 a.m. Another 30% of their check-ins, other guests coming in, come in after 7 p.m., Think about, you know, you coming into a major city and you don't, you know, you, you conduct your business and then you have dinner with possibly, you know, business colleagues or, or friends. And then you get into your hotel at night past seven, you sleep in the hotel for a few hours and you wake up at 7 a.m. You're out the door by 8 a.m., right? So even when they're 100% sold out, there's this churn that actually allows for a, a bit of inventory, uh, a little less than 5% to be precise, to be optimized even at the 100% sold out on both ends. And last but not least, they don't necessarily have to sell a room on hotels by day. They can sell a meeting room, they can sell a co-working space, which is essentially taking the meeting room and then chopping it up on a per seat basis, which during COVID is not the best product to sell, which we've reduced that inventory unless we feel secure that there's enough social distancing, but you know, soon enough we should roll that inventory back. But they can also sell pool passes, gym passes, cabanas by the pool or by the beach, parking passes. So essentially every single component of real estate that the hotel has can be optimized for a day-stay experience, uh, either as a daycation, so a more leisure experience, or as a workation, as a work product. So that's, that's what we do. So it's not necessarily just a room. But even if it were, and it was sold out on both ends, like I said before, it still can run. So the way you roll this product out to hotels, is it usually coming from their owners? And so the, the management will say, okay, so 
we'll figure out how to do that? Or is it something that you're rolling out at association meetings or is it through the employees or what's, what's the most effective way of kind of finding folks? Management companies now is essentially the keys to the, uh, to the, the golden, uh, uh, you know, door or opportunity. Um, so they will roll out a few of their properties based on the buy-in of their, of, of the operation team, their management team, local management as in GM and assistant managers. And so once they got the buy-in, they roll it in and the onboarding is super simple. We made it a stimulus experience. Uh, they can do it themselves or we can do it in less than 20 minutes for them, have a profile ready. And then the description usually takes 24 hours turnaround before we actually have a little bit of a customized, you know, detailed description for the property based on the products that we sell, not just on the copy paste of what we're seeing online. Hmm. Very cool. Are you taking an international strategy as well? I know it sounds like you're rolling yeah. out in the U.S. Uh, uh, mostly to start, but are you aiming yeah. for some big cities around yeah. the world? Yeah, uh, so we were going aggressive pre-pandemic. We started uh, having 50 hotels in London, about 30 hotels in Israel, mostly Tel Aviv, being that we felt that there was a, a mix of the, well, there's a dynamic that is very similar in Tel Aviv as New York, and, and a lot of people actually go from one city to the other very often. So a, a cross-pollination of our guests from New York that or East Coast that goes to Israel and that would have the service uh, that they are accustomed to in the United States and vice versa. We were also having Malaysia on the map, which unfortunately we turned it off ever since, uh, but Tel Aviv and London is rolling itself back in. And uh, now that we have that deal with a branded property. Uh... Very cool. So. Are we going to be watching a special on Netflix? Oh, this is tongue in cheek, by the way. Are we going to watch a special on Netflix about your company, just like we are about WeWork these days? How is your company different than the cult that is WeWork? In a way, uh, unfortunately, very different uh, because the path to growth has not been uh, similar. Um, but thankfully, also very different because, um, well, look, I mean, Adam. Newman, the founder and CEO of, uh, or ex-CEO of uh, WeWork, actually had something, he mentioned something that I feel very uh, similar to, or, or my, my heart goes in the same uh, direction, which is we're building for 100 years. We're not, uh, and hopefully this should not go to investors, but we're, we're not building to flip. We're building for uh, in super long term. And I heard him say that a couple of times where He's building for future generations of his family to be able to run the business and that he sees it for multi, like at least a century, I guess that's what he was saying. I have the same sense. Maybe it's our Mediterranean roots that uh, we see history as a much longer span than uh, most people uh, surrounding us in this milieu of the United States. Yeah, so in that sense, we're similar. Uh, and it's a progression, unfortunately, we haven't achieved the same success, nor the same uh, deflation, uh, you know, uh, expectations, but we'll get there. And I feel that Hotels by Day, I know that Hotels by Day has a potential to 
displace them, as a matter of fact. I'll tell you why. Because, like I said before, a hotel has all the work protocols that a co-working company has. And a co-working company, by the way, the way that we see it, is, it's just a glorified internet cafe. Like in the 2000s, we used to have that, right? So now they, you know, smartly decide to put them all together and just dedicate themselves to work and drinking coffee with a strong internet. Well, that's nothing new. But all those components are actually to be found at a hotel. And that hotel, during that time of use, which is 9 to 5 p.m., is empty. So when you chart the projection of what will investor, real estate investors want, they want to optimize their real estate to the nth degree. So waste is absolutely anachronistic and it's not to be tolerated in anything anymore, right? Uh, that's also a public sentiment, not just an investor sentiment, in which uh, we are trying to do everything with what we have instead of building more and wasting that, uh, those products. Uh, or services. It also comes into view with the ecological view of the world that we need to protect it. And so when you consider that flight shaming will come back strong, uh, just as it did pre-COVID, and then it, it, it disappeared because it wasn't much of an issue, but it's coming back even stronger now because, you know, uh, global warming and everything. Now, you might think that in the long term, there might be less tourists for the hoteliers, those same hotels, to be able to uh, welcome, simply because people are traveling not as far and as wide as before, with the same breadth as before. So what would the hotel, what can a hotel do to be able to complement its revenue? We think that becoming a semi-co-working for all the real estate that they have during the day that they can optimize, going from those meeting rooms that can be retrofitted on a co-working desk, or even a portion of their bedrooms that can essentially take away the bed and become a workroom, a private workroom in an office, uh, to the idea of leisurely just working at a cabana or a pool chair for the day for the uh, creative types that don't need to be tied to an office and a desk, uh, which, by the way, it's becoming more and more of a norm, right? We can now work from anywhere. We're, We've got everything on the palm of our hands with our phones and our laptop. So, so essentially now we're uh, unleashed from the physical aspect of going to an office. Nobody wants to live uh, the way that we've had the past uh, dynamic of, you know, Generation X, I guess, was the limit in which we spent our last 30, 40 years going from office to home and commuting uh, all our lives. Nobody wants to do that anymore. The younger generations are looking for a, a, a place that is both um, and not just this is for work and this is for living. And so we think the hotel is a perfect hub for it. And so when you consider that hotels have all the protocols, all the infrastructure to be able to surpass a co-working space in service, because it has everything that you want, plus the amenities, plus the food and drink, which we haven't talked about, by the way, and in addition, the ace in the sleeve is that a, a hotel is spread out throughout the globe. There's always a hotel. So imagine a membership that allows you access to all the hotels in the world versus being stuck to only the WeWorks in New York or San Francisco, Chicago, which, by the way, recently they've become a little bit more flexible that you can, from New York, you can go to one in Chicago. 
but you can just expect that they'll go back to a restrictive dynamic in which, oh, you're from New York, so no, you cannot get into the one in Chicago, just like they did pre-COVID. So therefore, the flexibility, the versatility, the uh, footprint of a hotel, the infrastructure of a hotel has everything it wants to be able to surpass a co-working company and absorb the uh, crazy valuations that a co-working company had, you know, the $40 billion that WeWork commended at some point, even if it at short period means that there is a potential for hotels to uh, be able to absorb some of it, if not pretty much everything, if they wanted to. It's a question of will. Thank you for that, Johannes. We like to keep these interviews relatively short. Yeah. Sorry, not with me. <laughs> You're clearly a visionary. Uh, I love what you've got to say. You know, my very first uh, introduction to day rooms in a hotel was back in the 80s. And I was flying from London to Johannesburg and we stopped in Harare in Zimbabwe. Yeah. And um, they came and got me from the airport and took me to a hotel for three hours and then took me back to the airport. It was amazing. Yeah. So that, that hotel had already worked out how to get tourists into the, into the hotel for a few hours at a time. Yeah. So cool. Uh, before we leave, who would you like to connect with you and how should they do that? Who would I like to connect with me? Anybody that's interested in the model uh, that has any question that they may have or tips or ideas or, or thoughts uh, would love to share. And specifically, if it's a hotelier, that would be more than welcome because we're always in the lookout for more supply uh, to sell. Turns out, you know, we are being blessed by actually a, a boom in demand and uh, customers signing up to our loyalty program to uh, levels that were totally unexpected. We are at more than twice the number of loyal signups today than what I expected by the end of this year. Uh, so more than twice. So I, I was totally off mark in thinking how popular the service was going to be and increasingly becoming. And anybody can reach out to me through uh, email. I think that's the best way so that I, I can respond at, at the, my best possible time, uh, being that lately it's kind of overwhelming. And email is Yanis, Y-A-N-N-I-S, at hotelsbyday.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. And um, we've really My enjoyed pleasure. this conversation. Thank you very much. Same here. Thank you so much, Randy and Kent, for your very incisive, smart questions and, uh, and the feeling of feeling very comfortable and being able to you know, give out a good overview of what we do in the startup, uh, in each our respective startups. So thank you so much for your time and for your dedication in that. I really appreciate it. It was a great You're time. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks. And it, it, it feels like we planted a, um, an avocado seed here. I think this was, this was fun. I didn't expect anything to grow, but this was, this was pretty good. So. Okay, awesome. That's wonderful. All right. Well, thank you, guys. Well, thank you, Janus. Day rooms in hotels is something I would never have thought of, of doing, but you have, and you've built the platform to allow them to do it. What a great idea. I wish you all the success in the world because this is something that the world needs. Yeah, and I mean, rarely do I hear ideas and think, oh, I, I, should, I should join that. But uh, if I were jet-setting right now or if I lived in a big city, the first thing I would do is want to join this program. So cool. The gym meets the, uh, you know, 
relaxed by the pool with the laptop meets the workroom meets the us. Oh, very interesting concept. Very interesting indeed. So if you want to, if you listen to this and you want another interesting concept, you could go to crazymba.com. That's a really interesting concept. Yeah, and the money the money you save by going to crazymba.com instead of going to Harvard, I mean, you, could, you could invest in an amazing startup a lot like Giannis's. Oh, I'm not sure if he's taking investors, but you could. Absolutely. So go and take a look at that. Just take you a few minutes. If you're feeling a little more posh and you're, you know, the coins are jangling in your pocket a little bit more strongly, then you can visit us at thoughtpartnergroup.com. And, you know, maybe there's something for you there. Either way, have a great day and stay safe.